The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. All right, everybody, welcome into the Hoopball Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hoopball Celtics. Please go give us a like. Go ahead and check us out for any show releases as well. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts for anything for, as far as drop-wise go. I'm also here with me with my co-host, Lucas. How you doing, Lucas? Can't complain. Uh, you know, got off work. Uh, got really nothing to complain about. Looking forward to talking some Celtics. I just want to shout out everyone who showed up to our Spotify Green Room uh, recording today. Really appreciate everyone of you uh, showing up. And, you know, we'll get some of you up here for questions once we're uh, done talking. No, absolutely, man. And uh, before we jump into things, uh, you can find Lucas and me on Twitter. My handle is at BallinOpinions. That's B-A-L-L-I-N-O-P-I-N-O-I-N-S. And Lucas, what was your handle at? I'm at Luca underscore Gainer, L-U-C-A underscore G-A-Y-N-O-R. Appreciate it if you dropped a follow. Uh, but Patrick, I have to ask, man, how was your birthday? How was your birthday this, uh, this past week? Oh, man, you know, it was it was a, a good time. I took out one of my Celtics jerseys on one of the nights I went out. Uh, nice. Un- unfortunately for some people, it, it's a jersey that might trigger some Celtics fans. I, I was rocking the black uh, Kyrie Irving jersey. Oh. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, um, Kyrie's my guy, man. That's my favorite player in the league still. And uh, I, I know that the bad blood between the Boston Celtics and him is has a bad taste in some people's mouth. But for me, man, it's a, it's a game of business and, and people's decisions, and I'll take it personally. So uh, always rocking with my guy there. Agreed. But, yeah, man. Um, was good. How was your, yeah, man. How was, uh, how was your week off, man? We, we skipped the week on podcasting. You know, it was good. I got a lot of other work done. You know, did some stuff around the house. Nothing too crazy. Um, but I'm excited. Definitely excited to be back here talking season again because, you know, that week off felt like an eternity to me. Oh, 100%, man. Now we're here rocking out. We got the Celtics. Got a mm-hmm. bunch of uh, coaching decisions that they're they're looking at currently. Got uh, one guy who they are adding to the thing. We got some a little bit of a uh, buzz around some players in the league potentially link, you know, linked to the Celtics that can be targets as well. So, we can go ahead and get into that. Let's just jump into some of the coaching stuff. Uh, I'll let you lead off since you seem to be the the coaching guru. Yeah. So actually, the um, you know we talked about Damon Stoudemire, which I'm really excited for him to join the Celtics staff. You know, you gotta love Mighty Mouse. But um, there's actually three new names that the Celtics are uh, appearing to add to their staff. Um, two of which are coming from San Antonio. Um, you know, obviously they had a connection to Ime. One is Will Hardy, who, you know, he worked his way up from video coordinator all the way up to assistant coach. So, you know, that's a guy who I'm going to love. Uh, the other guy from the Spurs, his name is Garrett Jackson. You know, I don't really know a ton about him, but I do know he's a former player. Uh, he played overseas up until recently as 2018. So like, you know, he is fresh, you know, fresh out of hooping still. Um, so I think, you know, a younger guy with plenty of experience who has a relationship with Ime uh, will be terrific. And then lastly, uh, we hired a guy from the Warriors, actually, named Aaron Miles. He's a player development coach. Um, he used to be the head coach of the Santa Cruz Warriors uh, for three years. So, you know, what that signals to me is that the uh, the Celtics are really putting an uh, emphasis on player development, hiring guys like Damon Stoudemire and uh, Aaron Miles because there are some end-of-the-bench pieces that, you know, the Celtics do just need more out of, plain and simple. Guys like Grant Williams, um, Romeo Langford, like younger guys like that. So I'm really excited that uh, this is the direction they're going with the coaching hires. 
Yeah, it definitely seems like based off of the candidates and everything like that, it's very defense-centric. So that's the interesting point as far as how these guys are kind of lined up. And I know you touched there on a second on Miles, man. Aaron Miles is a guy I've actually done a little digging on myself. Um, I don't do a lot of digging on coaches very often, so um, the other two kids, I'm going to have to get into my bag a little bit and see what, what I really know about them, and you might have to brush me on some of the stuff there, but um, I do like Aaron Miles. He is that former head coach of the Santa Cruz Warriors in the G League. Um, he's also a Portland native where he has a lot of connections out there as far as uh, Portland relatives and stuff like that, um, and the, the cool story that I found on him was uh, that he actually – failed a physical back in 2006 with the Portland Trailblazers at the time. And the crazy part is the person who ended up taking that roster spot when he didn't make the team was Ime. So (laughs) so it's like your boss now is the guy who took your position because you failed a drug test. Isn't that like the fact that that was linked? Wait, wait, wait. He he failed a physical, right? Not a drug test. Yeah. No, no. It's just a physical. It was a physical. But but that's just crazy (laughs) to me is it's like, uh, I end up feeling a physical and the person who takes my job is now the person who I'm be an assistant for, you know, like that was just crazy to me, but um, I like Aaron miles. He's been around um, some organizations that have had success. He's also been around big, big name players like Steph Curry, you know, like that's something that I'm excited to add to this team and uh, very excited to see what he does as far as development goes with the young guys on the roster, with the Aaron Smiths, with the Romeo Langford. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, just a quick note about uh, Will Hardy, the assistant coach from the Spurs. He actually was on the staff at the 2019 FIBA World Cup. And, you know, as we know, that uh, that had f- three four, three Celtics, right? Or, or am I missing someone? Let's see. It was Marcus was Smart. I think Kemba was there. So I want to say yeah, Marcus Smart, Kemba, Jalen, and Jason. So, you know, Will already has at least somewhat of a relationship. If he was on the staff, you know, maybe he wasn't buddy-buddy with the guys, but there's at least an air of familiarity, which I, I think is really uh, is really good for sure. Oh, 100%. So, I mean, anytime you can get a coach that has any type of connection already with the players, it just kind of helps jumpstart it. So um, I'm glad to see that there. Um, do you have anything else that you want to notate here on the, on the coaches before we start diving into some crazy, crazy uh, talk as far as players go? Yeah, you know, I think I think we got it covered there. Like, I just want to emphasize that I'm really um, – these have made me really hopeful. You know, a lot of former players, you know, former connection guys. So I just really think that uh, the Celtics are headed in the right direction. Also, another note on Will Hardy, he went to Williams College. Uh, notable New Englander Duncan Robinson also started his collegiate career at Williams. So, you know, maybe there's a little uh, – there's like a little oh. icebreaker, you know, if Duncan ever, de- if Duncan ever yeah, decides hey, to consider coming to Boston. Hey, hey Duncan, if, if you uh, no longer enjoy that great Miami weather and you want to come to these cold Boston Celtics uh, winters up here up north, uh, you want to take a little pay cut and, and join us, um, go ahead and uh, stroll up this way, man. Hey, I, <laughs> I know don't he's think that's going to happen. but you I, know, know I know he's used to the New England weathers because we used to play back together way, way back in the day. Uh, but I'm sure once he got a taste of the Miami life, he'll probably want to uh, stay in South. I, I, yeah, I think once he, once he tasted it, it, it doesn't have to be like that. He's probably never coming right. back. <laughs> By choice, right. at least. Right. But, uh, no, we can move on to the uh, – you know, actually, some more Spurs guys. Uh, but Patrick, you can kick us off with you know the recent rumors that have been floating around. Oh yeah, man, the rumors are flowing right now. And um, a guy that's been kind of centric around is 
is Patrick Mills, Patty Mills, you know. That's our that's my guy right there. I love Patty Mills. He's a, a very solid vet, savvy, uh, pretty good shooter, can kind of create. Um, he's a below average uh, league average as far as finishing at the rim, about 4% under league average as far as percentage-wise goes. Um, but he doesn't go to the rim very often. And just overall, just a solid player. Uh, think he'd be a very good fit for what the Celtics kind of need at the point guard position. Uh, I like his ability to stretch the floor, and having another shooter on the court is always going to be beneficial for the Jays as far as spacing goes. Um, what, what do you think about Patty Mills being uh, in the rumor mill? Oh, I think Patty would be a terrific addition to the Celtics. Um, you know, we get some more veteranship in the building. Um, you know, like you mentioned, he's 33, about to turn 34. Um, you know, he's a terrific shooter, as you mentioned. The thing I really like about Patty Mills is that not only can he, you know, get his own bucket off the dribble and shoot and, and make three-pointers and mid-rangers off the dribble, he can also run off screens. He can catch and shoot. So I just think having a little bit of a diverse profile from three uh, is, is something that really matters. And on top of that, like, you know, like you're saying, having a shooter on the floor always matters. Like, you know, Jason Tatum dishing to Patty Mills in the corner for three is just a little bit different than dishing to Grant Williams as much as I love what Grant gives us. Like, you know, having a guy who's a legit knockdown shooter like Patty uh, is just going to open up the floor even more for our guys like Jalen and Jason. Absolutely. And um, even then, like, so I want to make sure that people understand, though, is um, I'm pumping the brakes as far as, like, if we got Patty Mills, like, I wouldn't even be sure if he'd start. And and the reason for that is mainly because of his age. I would want him probably around the 20 to 25 minute mark. And maybe in some instances when they're more important games, you can push him to like 30. Um, but as far as with his age and everything and what he brings, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with him coming off the bench and running the second unit. And I'm a full, full bond believer and full on persuader of let's let Marcus Smart run the show at point guard. If we can't find a point guard to, run the Celtics going into next season. Yes, sir. I am right there with you uh, when it comes to Marcus starting at point guard. And yeah, definitely do not get it confused. Patty Mills is not going to be the starting point guard option. Yeah, bring in. Because I know a lot of people want us want the Celtics to address that position. Uh, Patty Mills would not be the guy to come in and, you know, like you're saying, play 40 minutes a night at the starting point guard spot. And also, another thing I would really like uh, about bringing Patty Mills in would be how much he could help, uh, you know, potentially Peyton Pritchard. Uh you know, Patty Mills has been in the league forever. He's a consummate pro. He's a, he plays internationally. He always steps up on the big stage. But I just think, you know, they're kind of similar builds, um, like kind of similar players. I think uh, I actually think Pritchard could learn a lot from Patty Mills just getting him in here. Uh, so that's just, a, you know, a little bit of an intangible benefit he could bring when it comes to looking at him, uh, not just what he would bring on the court. Yeah, and on top of it, you know, a little Peyton Pritchard uh, dime drop in there. Uh, Peyton Pritchard led the – the whole entire Celtics roster this year on three-point percentage, man. So shout out to Peyton Pritchard, man. Gotta love Fast PP as a, Gotta as a love Celtics him. Twitter likes to call him. <laughs> yes, no, he's terrific. I and I just think that uh, you know bringing Patty in would really just you know help uh, maybe not expedite but accelerate you know uh, Peyton's growth as you know a, a guy who can run the offense in the second unit for sure. Absolutely, no, I, I definitely like that. Uh, the only thing is. Uh, if um, the Celtics were to go after another guy in the Spurs, there might not be no Peyton Pritchard because he could right. be dealt in a deal. And the guy that we've been talking about a lot, Lucas and I have been discussing about him and, and just being like, because his name's been floating out there, is uh, DeJounte Murray um, from 
the San Antonio Spurs is somebody we've been very interested. I'll let you kind of kick off on some of the things that you want to talk about, Dejounte. Oh, so honestly, uh, when I first heard this rumor, you know, I was really excited about the about the idea of Dejounte Murray coming to play for the Celtics because you know I really enjoy watching him play. He's a great player. Uh, you know, he can rebound, he can pass, he can, you know, he's he's a solid scorer. You know, he averaged almost 16 points a game this past year. Uh, with that being said, you know, DeJounte is not a guy who you're counting on to to make open threes. Um, you know, he's not necessarily what you, well, he's not a knockdown shooter. Nobody would consider that. He's more of actually someone you would leave wide open than, you know, consider a knockdown shooter. But, you know, I still love what DeJounte brings as far as ball handling and defense and, you know, just moving the ball in the offense. Um, personally, I would just love, you know, what he would bring. With that being said, I do have, you know, a couple reservations about his fit, but uh, I'd love to hear what you think about DeJounte before I get into that. Uh, see, see, now we're not agreeing for once. You know, I actually like his fit with the Celtics a lot. I think the... His ability to, to be a two-way player fits into exactly what the Celtics kind of like to play. And I also think if they were to get DeJounte Murray, I think that's indication that Marcus Smart is out the door. And the reason I say that is because I don't see DeJounte Murray and Marcus Smart backcourt being a long-term successful thing. But I think DeJounte Murray can be a very successful point guard with the Celtics if they put a shooting guard next to him that is a league average type three-point shooter so that is something where i feel like that becomes his good fit you get yourself a solid three and d type shooting guard um knock on wood you know who knows bradley bill um anyways <laughs> where's uh, the d <laughs> <laughs> but, but i mean ideally you know that's um I, I think I think uh, Bradley Beal is is a, a much better defender. People give him credit for. It's just kind of hard to to play defense when your whole team also can't play defense, you know. So yeah. and and the load a, Bradley yeah. takes on offense, it's you know hard to commit a ton of energy to the defense. Exactly. Yeah. But I've but, watched them. I watched them go try really hard on defense against Tatum last year when they were playing each other, and uh, he's he definitely has it in him. Um, but as far as yeah. Dejounte Murray, man, I I love his ability to be a two way player. I do think him being only turning 25, he also, if that fit for some reason you just didn't like it, he's going to be able to be moved a lot easier than, you know, an older type player, um, person in his age group. He still has a lot of time to develop. I think a new situation for him would be beneficial as well. So I'm, I'm very sold on Jadante Murray. I understand that there is those shooting concerns. I know last season – he didn't shoot all that great as far as percentage-wise from three-point range. I think he shot about 30. Let me pull it up yeah, here. 32. He 30, shot 31.7. 31.7, yes. Mm -hmm. that's, that was the the percentage from deep and on 199 attempts. But the, the season prior, I know, was the bubble season and all that. But he was shooting upwards to like 38%. So there's, there's like this potential that it's there. Um, and I also like this could be the best team as far as players around him could – could be he's played with and I think that will help him with spacing more and it might end up allowing him to be more comfortable in his shots and everything like that he's also not that bad at the rim to be honest he's 54.8 percent he's still a little bit more above uh below the league average but still 54.8 percent I would like that probably to be more around the league average at about 58 59 percent with his length but uh something that also could have been 
you know, due to lack of space and he plays against the alongside of a guy like DeMar DeRozan a lot. Uh, it's hard to kind of get the spacing you want to get, go down the paint and get some easy buckets. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with a lot of the things you just said. Um, and when I mentioned I have reservations about him, it's not necessarily that I'm out on the idea at all because I truly would love DeJounte Murray uh, in Celtics green because I think he's a solid player. And another thing about his shooting, right? So, uh, yeah, he only shot 32%. He, you know, by far shot the most volume of threes. Um, he pretty much doubled it from, you know, the last season um, up to three attempts a game, which I understand is still low volume. Uh, but he didn't see a massive dip. Like, he wasn't even taking one three-pointer a game in his first two seasons. Uh, so, you know, I'm wary to, like, really get boiled down into those numbers. Um, so I would say that now that he's taking three three-pointers a game, 32%, you know, that is really where we should look at him as a shooter. And on top of that, I do think it's really important to mention that he can improve. He is only 24, going to turn 25 soon. So, you know, I believe that, you know, he has steadily improved every year in the NBA. Um, he's increased his scoring average, his uh, field goals made, which, you know, that coincides, but uh, rebounds and assists as well. You know, he's increased every single year. So this is a guy who's proven he can incrementally improve, and I don't see why that would stop all of a sudden if he got to Boston. But the big reservation is the redundancy of him and Marcus Smart. So I'm on record, obviously, pretty much everywhere, talking about how much I love Marcus Smart. Um, with that being said, the the, the spacing concerns uh, of a backcourt that had Murray and Smart do slightly concern me um, because, you know, if they're making their threes, you know, that that lineup of Jalen, Jason, uh, DeJounte, and Marcus and whoever we want to play big man, they will look terrific if they are making their three-pointers. But if it's in the playoffs and maybe they're having a cold night in a, in a way arena, and people just uh, leave them and they start bricking, you know, that is a legitimate concern. I think that uh, Celtics fans can have, but I do think it would lend itself more to uh, maybe Marcus being uh, shipped out in a trade potentially, or even just walking in free agency as much as that hurts me to say. So I do think, yeah, you can rectify the redundancy uh, if it ends up not working out, like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And those are all great concerns, like, and and valid reasons to be concerned about the situation of that pairing not working out. Um, And then that's also just like, you just got to hope that uh, Murray ends up, you know, developing and and really showing it around other teammates like this and more spacing that he is able to flourish and take advantage of the open shots and and knock them down. Because um, if they double Tatum and Brown when they start cooking and stuff like that, they're going to need guys just to be able to knock down any open jumper. And a lot of the times they're going to be open shots. That's something that the Celtics really struggle to do. Um, as far as also DeJounte Murray, he is not a free agent. So this would have to come via trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about the packages that would uh, it would kind of look like as far as money-wise that it would work and um, understanding making it a, a realistic trade scenario. Um, the packages would look something probably around Romeo Langford, a Tristan Thompson, Peyton Pritchard, and a pr- protected pick of some sort um, or other picks. Uh, if that's not going to be what the Spurs want, maybe they want, you know, Robert Williams instead of Romeo, um, kind of switch one of those guys out. Or, you know, maybe they didn't want Peyton Pritchard and they want, you know, Neesmith instead. But those are kind of like the idea pieces as far as money-wise that would end up working and as far as like what would need to get done to get get the John Murray to Boston. 
Yeah, um, he he is uh, salary this upcoming season is fifteen point four million. So they're definitely you know that's not a, like a max contract or anything. So the Celtics could max the uh, match that contract pretty easily. Um, I do think that Pritchard has probably gone in that deal. Um, I would assume they would want Rob, you know, because they do have a little bit of a need at center. I know Jakob Pertl is a great guy, a great player. Tristan you know. Thompson is a little too old for them, and his yeah. contract's ending, so. Yeah, so I would say that maybe Pritchard, Rob, and, you know, maybe some uh, second-round picks and stuff um, could maybe get the job done. With that being said, I'm not sure, you know, they could potentially field the offer. You know, another team could send a little bit of a better package. So it's always something to keep in mind. Um, but I don't think Pritchard, Rob, and, then, you know, seconds or maybe even uh, another player in there is a horrible, horrible package for DeJounte. Um so, you know, it definitely could happen. I, I I really think that uh Pop might be a little more willing to make the deal, uh, due to, you know, his relationship with Ime. Now maybe I'm uh maybe that's a little I have my green glasses on. Wish, for that wish one. wishful thinking, man. It's wishful thinking. I was gonna I say know, I might Pop, have my green glasses on, but I will say Pop seems like a guy who does no favors. He seems like the the well, guy not, who would always be like, Hey, learn it the hard way. You gotta you gotta yeah. come with something better than that. You know, that's that's the type of guy I see Pop as. And I don't even mean as a favor. I just mean, you know, when you when it comes to making trades, you know, having a good relationship, you know, is definitely uh, one of the first steps in you know completing a deal. Um, you know, unfortunately, a guy like Danny Ainge, you know, definitely did not have that good relationships with people because of how many times he ripped other teams off. Uh, so you know, maybe that could factor in. But I do understand. I'm drinking my green Celtics Kool Aid, as Jamie says down in the chat. Um, my chat's not working right now, so I'm at the reset here myself. But uh, while I'm resetting myself, uh, Lucas, why don't you go into the third guy on the Spurs that is the guy that we would really want out of the three guards in, in San Antonio, but probably is the most unlikely and unrealistic. Yeah, so that guy would be uh, a guard by the name of Derek White. Um, you know, he's a really terrific player, really all-around player, I would say. Team player, you know, he's not going to – uh He's not going to blow you away. I feel like he's not a flashy player, but he is absolutely a, a winning player is how I describe him. He's also a much more consistent shooter um, on higher volume than DeJounte Murray was, um, shooting about 35% on seven attempts a game. I mean, he did deal with some injuries this year, but you know, I don't think that's a concern I particularly have. So he's a little bit less redundant, um, I would say, than Marcus Smart. And that wouldn't necessarily mean we'd have to move on from Marcus Smart if we got on a guy like uh, Derek White. But I know this is your guy. You said you think he's the best player on the team. So let me uh, let, let's get into a little bit of a breakdown. Oh, man, Derek White, man. He is just – he just kind of does all the little things very well. He kind of man- – he manages the game very well. He can get you buckets when he needs to. He gets He's really good at playmaking. Um, I've always preached on Derek White and how I thought how well he is in control of the game. He just has like a natural feel for him. He's just a natural score. He kind of just turns it on and turns it off. Gets to the rim pretty well. Uh, dishes really well. Uh, plays solid defense at a point guard. Not, nothing like out. He does nothing, I think, like way that makes your eyes pop at me. That's why people don't look to him. But he almost is like, in a sense of like a Malcolm Brogdon where you like you watch him play and you're like, wow, this guy does a lot of things, little things really well. And it's almost like hard to find something that he's really, really bad at because he's really solid at everything that he does. So overall, he's just a, a well-rounded player that I just enjoy watching play basketball. Yeah. I would say he's a jack of all trades, master of none type of guy. Like, you know, he's not, I mean, he's, 
I wouldn't even say master of none because, you know, he, we'll, we'll call him the army Swiss knight. How about yeah, that? That's, that's a little <laughs> bit of a better term. Yeah. He's a Swiss army knight. Exactly. Exactly. What do you need um, him to do tonight? You know, playmaker, do you need him to, to go out there and drop 20 points? What, what's going on? And he's definitely not a slouch on defense either, which I know is going to be important to E-Man because of how much of a defensive guy he is. Um, but like Patrick said, this one is definitely a pipe dream. Like DeJounte Murray's already kind of a, like a little bit of an unrealistic scenario. Derek White, you know, I really don't think the Spurs are going to move on from him. Patty Mills is probably the most realistic scenario out of yeah. the three. Yes, I echo that 100%. Because he's, he's just a free agent. So, you know, instead of, like, you know, sacrificing some players or future picks, you know, you just have to sacrifice some of Wick Grosbeck's money. So, you know, that is definitely a little bit more of a stomachable thing to do than give up a guy like Pritchard. Because, you know, uh, Pritchard, you know, I personally think he's pretty close to a ceiling. But when it comes to being able to shoot off the dribble, I think the concept of a ceiling really um, – is a little harder to, you know, enforce because if you can make a, a shot off the dribble, you know, the defense has to respect you uh, every single time the ball is in your hands. So, you know, I understand if people don't want to give up on Pritchard, but personally I would give up, uh, I would give up Pritchard and Rob Will for DeJounte Murray. Um, you know, if we could. Oh, I would too in a heartbeat. I think that's a, that's a move the direction that you just want to go into. But also uh, I just think too, I wonder if, uh, how big the leash financially is going to be during this off season. Like, are, is it okay for us to go into the hard cap to start the year? Because you do have a, a certain deadline that you can get back under that hard cap. You know, they can do that before the trade deadline passes and, and go into the season and not hit the hard cap to end the season. So I, I just wonder what their plan is that way, because I wouldn't be surprised if they decided, you know what, let's go hard cap. Um, by a couple million dollars here and then see what we have on the roster talent-wise and then we can you know, send a guy or two off the roster around trade deadline that puts us right back under the cap um, that just wasn't fitting in as well as we wanted, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how, how willing that leash of financial ability will be there because I do know that they're really focused on trying to be financially freed up for the future. Mm-hmm. I do know that the... 2023, I believe, is with uh, the pretty stacked draft uh, or free agent class that year. A lot of big names on that one. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head right now. I had them written down, but that's a, that's a year that they're going to be really focal point. We'll probably have another show where we kind of go into more of some future free agencies with that um, mm-hmm. salary caps and all that uh, as far as why the Celtics will want that financial stability. Yeah, and it's definitely important to note the Celtics cannot – they're going to have to make some sacrifices, whether it's not extending Marcus Smart and including him in a trade or, you know, not even re-signing Fournier. Um, You know, there's going to have to be a sacrifice. I think one of those sacrifices that I can pretty much shoe in is Tristan Thompson, at least – I hope, honestly, I think that's going to be a smart way to get some money off the books and get a player off the roster who necessarily isn't making – the most positive impact uh, when he's on the floor. Um, and I will say, I think Patty Mills is not only is he the most realistic, I think he is likely almost that he, he, he could come to Boston because he fills a need of what of knockdown shooting that they desperately need. Um, and, you know, he has that relationship with Ime, so I think it would just be that much easier to bring him in. Uh, they could give him the uh, the MLE, the Texter MLE, I think, and uh, I think he'd be happy with that contract too. So, uh yeah, that's definitely something I would keep an eye on as Celtics fans. And on top of that, you know, there's some other options like at point guard like Patty Mills. Like I know people throw out veteran guy like Ricky Rubio. Now, the reason I do not want Ricky Rubio as solid as a player as he is is 
I've seen him. I've seen him get left too many times in the playoffs from three point distance. Like he's just not consistent enough. Whereas on the other side of the coin, Patty Mills is not only consistent. This man is a absolute knockdown. So, uh, you know, I, I would love to see him in town over you know, kind of a floor general guy who maybe isn't the best shooter. I would much prefer a guy like Patty Mills. No, absolutely, man. I, I'm a big on the Patty Mills train. Um, as far as his game goes, my thing is just it's going to be pretty short term um, as far as fit wise goes, just because of his age. I don't see him hanging around for more than like two years. It's more of yeah. just fill the roster spot, fill that position up for the next two years, see what we can do with you there, see how far we can go and grow in this you know process, and then also it. It's it's just really in concern, man. Is is Robert Williams is the big question mark? I think on their roster right now is like health wise, man. Is do are we really trying to ship him out, or are we trying to keep him and see if that's going to be our center of the future? Because um, that's that's going to be a big position there. Because you got Al Horford there. We we pretty much are convinced that Tristan Thompson's not going to be on the roster by the end of trade deadline because of his contract being so movable on a last year deal. And then Moses Brown is is a young, you know, raw talent as well still. So the the center position is definitely a lot more, you know, it's surprising that we haven't talked about it as much as it being as a big of a concern, um, especially with the best player in our center rotation being somebody who can't play more than 30 minutes. Yeah, um, I think the, the Al Horford quieted a lot of that noise. Um, but with that being said, we the Celtics still do need a longer term option at uh, center because I don't I don't think personally Moses Brown is going to be that guy. And like you said, we have these concerns with Rob. Now the thing with Rob is if we did trade him for Dejounte, and you know potentially maybe that trade didn't didn't work out as we'd like to, it would really pain me to see Rob flourish as you know a, a rim protector and and roll threat in San Antonio. In San Antonio, man. Yeah, that just... would really pain me. So I I understand the he- people's hesitation to move on from uh, the Tom Lord because I'm right there with you, but I do think he's arguably. Uh, he's the, one of our best assets right now at the moment um, when it comes to you know trade value. So I the do time think, is ticking on him though, man. The time sure is ticking is. on him because if he has another injury riddled season, um, you know that value is just gonna uh, is just gonna keep going down and down. So I do think that right now his value is quite high after the showing he had against Brooklyn and really how he just ended the season pretty well. Um, so I do think that you know he's a he's one of our more valuable trade chips. No, absolutely. And um, that's that's as far as I had, as far as today's podcast goes for anything I wanted to talk about. Is there anything that you want to talk about? And then we'll ask some people in the audience if they have any questions that they want us to kind of hit on, and and then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, you know, I could do 30 more minutes on that uh, Carson and uh, Taco question you had you know, before the podcast, but uh, if you don't want to <laughs> do that, I think we could just bring up some people from the crowd if there's any questions. All right. Send those speaker requests, everyone. Yes, yes. Come up, speak if you have a question, uh, anything Celtics related, man. We will, we will definitely uh, get you up here and uh, get that answered for you. But no, man. Yeah, I, I just thought it would be funny, man. Like, why not? Why not get Carson Edwards' lower body and Taco Falls' upper body on one person and just see what happens? What is what is Taco Falls' wingspan? <laughs> Something ridiculous. What's up, Ben? <laughs> How you doing, Ben? Pretty good. How you guys? Good, good. So the question I wanted to ask you guys is, what would you be interested in giving Lonzo Ball in free agency? 
Patrick, I know this is you. I know this is you. Oh, right here. man. Oh, man. If we had the money, it's just the money's just not going to work at this point uh, because Lonzo Ball is going to command 20-plus mil per year. And unfortunately, the Celtics just don't have that type of cap space to do that move. It's so unfortunate. Like, if we were in two years down the line where our cap situation was a lot better, Lonzo Ball would be that target type of guy where we're like, yes, we'll throw the 20 mil at him and and let's see what happens. But literally, Lonzo Ball is DeJounte Murray that could shoot better. So, (laughs) and unfortunately, we can't can't get him. So, uh, even – if it came down to it, you had to give up Marcus Smart for Lonzo, would you? If if it meant that we were getting Lonzo back, I think that's something that I would be willing to do because in that instance, I believe the defense is still there uh, as far as Marcus Smart and Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is not as elite defender as Marcus Smart, but he's a better shooter. So it's just kind of you got to take it, take it for what you got. What do you think, Lucas? You know, I honestly, uh, I do not know if I would do that. I don't know. I don't think I would give up Marcus for Alonzo right now. I think it would be a lot easier for me to say that I could or I couldn't um, if we saw Marcus play, you know, an extended amount of time as our starting point guard, which I, I believe we will be seeing this upcoming year. But right now, you know, this is definitely a little bit of the fan in me. But also I just, you know, love what Marcus brings as far as like value when it comes to winning actual basketball games. Um, you know, as good as Lonzo is, I think I would. Uh, I think I'd want to stick with Marcus. I know Adam. Adam hopped in just in time to hear me say that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, appreciate you guys for bringing me up to ask questions. Appreciate you, Ben. Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Any no questions, Keep up the man? Great work. Uh, have a, thank you. Appreciate it. Any other questions, guys? Go ahead and uh, speak or request us. But um, you know what? We haven't really knocked on was uh, you know Tatum uh, playing with Team USA, Lucas. Oh, right. How are we spacing yeah. that out, man? What's going on over here? No, I am definitely a little nervous about the Olympics in general, not even from just a, a Tatum or injury concern, more just about the entire COVID situation. I know Bradley Beal and Jeremy Grant have already entered safety protocols. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm a little wary of the Olympics right now. Um, I just hope Tatum is good. I do not want Tatum to play at all if he has any injury. Um, or any soreness or any tightness, anything like that. I would rather this man just not play. But I did see a tweet you sent me today that said he was, you know, not only did he go to practice today, he actually worked out extra with Ime after practice, which I love to hear. I just love to hear that. Building him, man. You know, you know, the thing I'm most sad about, honestly, is that i just been really sad the fact that Jalen Brown got hurt because I feel like he'd be on this roster. If you let guys like Jeremy Grant on, and no offense to Jeremy Grant, I think Jeremy Grant's a, a solid player in the NBA, and uh, there's no shade towards him. It's just I I think Jalen Brown would have definitely made the USA roster this season had he been healthy at the end of the year. And it would have just been nice. You know, I'm just picturing in my head, you know, painting a picture of, you know, Tatum and Brown with their arms around the Ime going into that first, you know, week of the season practice and, and just kind of like being like, ooh, you know, like this is this is a good old time, you know, kind of already have that connection and everything. So I, I just am, I'm a little sad that Jalen Brown missed out on it. Um, personally. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. But like I said, I don't care if this man is out of his cast. I just would like Jalen to take it easy. You know, I know he was on Jimmy Kimmel shooting shooting a jumper. And that even gave me a little bit of anxiety. I saw that, so. man. Hey, he got it, though. He got it. No, though. hey, he, he made it. it. 
He made it. Someone said that rim was Ben Simmons' worst nightmare. I'm like, I think that's just a regular <laughs> hoop. Um, but, um, ben did ask a question down in the chat. He said, who do we think uh, takes Bradley Beal's spot on the Olympic roster? Uh, personally, you know, my number one guy I'd like to see in there is Stephen Curry, just because that's Steph. And he I denied think, it, right? Didn't he reject the invitation? Ah, uh, that's he tragic. Invited. He he rejected it. Donovan Mitchell rejected it. Um, I know John and Trey were salty on Twitter today. They didn't make the cut, so you know maybe uh, maybe that puts a little bit of pressure on the Olympic, the U.S. Olympic Committee to add them. But yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, honestly, I would like Zion in there if Bradley Beal can't go, and if Jeremy Grant can't go, then you know maybe another guard. But I think Zion, Zion with Thibodeau. Zion is a good pick. Yeah, Zion is a really solid pick for that. For yeah, that last roster spot as well, Devin Booker's on the team, right? He's just, they're just yes. waiting for the finals. So okay. same with Chris That's Middleton as well, and Chris Middleton. Yeah, is Drew on there too? I think so. I was about to say, and I think Drew is also. We're waiting on him as well. Um, but uh, no, Zion and Theba rules. I would love to see that. That man would be an absolute menace. Also, Jamie just mentioned in the chat, De'Aaron Fox is a terrific replacement for uh, absolutely terrific suggestion. Uh, for replacing Bradley Beal because, you know, he's electric, exciting, but he's just a good player all around too. And he's young, so he kind of fits. Uh, I think that's a terrific, terrific choice, Jamie. No, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. And then another thing too on uh, the whole Tatum and, and Team USA, um, I understand that, you know, the, the knee soreness and stuff like that has been kind of a worrisome and all that. But I personally love the fact that I, I want Tatum to kind of flourish in this USA setting because – He's kind of almost – they've kind of, like, made him almost like a poster child for Team USA in a sense. Like, I was just watching, like, some of the interviews that Popovich had, and, and the one player that's sitting next to him is Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum was mm-hmm. being asked, like, a lot of questions, everything like that. So it was just it was just kind of wild how uh, it seemed like Tatum was kind of, like, the front man as far as the media attention goes for Team USA. So I just love that for, for Tatum personally, man. That's a good growth in his development as well, and – if he can be a big-time leader on a USA team full of stars, then there should be no question he could do that in the NBA with you know people who aren't stars. Totally. I want Jason to play uh, a lot. I just don't want him to even risk injuring himself at all because I just would really hate that for him. Uh, you know, if he if he somehow got injured during this, but let's not even put that out there. You know, let's just hope he keeps you know strengthening his knee a little bit. That had a little bit of soreness. Uh, I hope he just dominates the international game like we know he can. I think that's that's all I've got today, if, unless you got anything to add. No, nah, man, I'm, I'm hoping that Jason Tatum is going to be uh, nice and good as far as his knee goes. We don't need no knee tendonitis with him and Jalen Brown now, okay? No, none of that. None of that. But, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that does it for us here at the Hoopball Celtics podcast. We appreciate everybody for stopping by here at the live show where we're doing it on Green Room. You can also follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Celtics. Don't forget to go ahead on to Apple Podcasts. Please go rate, write, write a review, write something funny, talk about how you don't like our takes, how you love our takes. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, we appreciate it all. Give us a five-star review and everything like that. Lucas, you have anything you want to say? No, nope, I'll just uh, put my Twitter again. It's Luca, L-U-C-A underscore G-A-Y-N-O-R. Um, yeah, like Patrick said, even if you disagree with our takes, you know, put that in the chat so, you know, we can discuss it uh, or in the, in the Apple podcast reviews. Put it in there. Uh, but please give us five stars still. Uh, that really helps us out a lot. Uh, thanks again for uh, for showing up today, everyone. All right, man. Thank you guys all. all right.